Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Let me welcome to the show right now, legendary Slippery Noodle on LRC Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Thursday, week five, has the Titans and the Colts. And from the Titans Radio Network, he is an incredible friend of this show, the former NFL coach, the former D coordinator, and the former coach and spent a couple of years in Vigro County in Terre Haute, Indiana in the late 70s, early 80s. Dave McGinnis joins us now. Hello, Dave. How are you doing? JMV, I'm doing good, brother. Good to talk to you. Uh, every time they right back at you, which I like. Here we go. I love it too. And I should have mentioned a close personal friend of Rick Venturi. We both are right there. I should have mentioned that too. No, absolutely. Uh, Rick and I came up together in the National Football League. You know, I was with Mike Ditka for a lot of years, and he was with Chuck Knox for a lot of years, and those two guys were really good friends. So anytime those two were together, we were at any NFL function, uh, Rick and I were right there with them. So uh, we both have a lot of really good stories we could tell. You know, and, and you, you, I'm sure, are like to some folks down there that that do radio shows, TV, whatever, and media like Rick is to me. I, I lean on him for so much because you guys have been there and done that. And I, I'm kind of curious, regarding Rick, what, what has always stood out to you as far as his grasp and knowledge for the game? I mean, for me, I, I talk to him almost every week, and he gives me a breakdown of what goes on, what to look for, so on and so forth. What did you see in him as a coaching colleague coming up that really stood out to you, Dave? Well, he came up in a football family. He's, he's understood. He understood ball. He grew up around ball, and he understood it. And then, you know, even in, even when he was coaching, you know, I was at the Bears when he was at Northwestern. I mean, I've known Rick for a long time because he's from Peoria. And, uh, you know, I worked with and for Dick Jamison, who is also a, a Peoria native. So, you know, got to know Rick very, very well through them. And then throughout the time, our time in the league together, we were both linebacker coaches. And so, you know, we would always, you know, commiserate at the, at the combine. And, and look, the guy understands ball, but he understands it from a lot of different uh, angles and a lot of different avenues. And I just mentioned his association, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with Chuck Knox and, and, and look, Here's the thing. Here's the thing about about Rick Venturi. Rick Venturi, you know, uh, had several interim head coaching jobs, and to be an interim head coach, it takes a lot, but it also takes a lot of trust from the organization because when you become an interim head coach, things aren't going great. I was always really impressed with how level-headed Rick was, able to handle situations no matter how hard they were. And plus, he's just he's a wealth of knowledge, and uh, you know, he and I both. Are very, very, we, we're very fortunate to have had the careers that we had as coaches. And I talked to him before I came back to do this because he was doing this. You know, I was still hanging out on Malibu Beach when I was with the Rams out there. And when I found out I had a chance to come back here and do this, I, I called Rick and asked him how he liked it. He said, Mac, you'll love it. And he said, uh, I'm just guessing you'll be pretty good at it. But uh, he, look, he's a very, he's a very good friend, but he was a, he was a hell of a ball coach. And there's one thing you can't manufacture, JMV, in this business, and it's experience. And uh, Rick Venturi's got experience. Well, I every week, every and, and it's 
it's for somebody like me, Dave, it's invaluable. I mean, I, I mean, all the time, I'll give you a great example of it. I, I had Chris Ballard, the coach general manager, on, on with me back during um, the, uh, the combine. And he had just met with the local media up there five minutes before he was walking over to be on with me. And I didn't want to just rehash what everybody up there had asked. So I went to him and I said, hey, man, I want to know what you want to know, what you find interesting about that. And it, it, it is stuff that I just never think about. And he is just invaluable to me as a resource. You know, not only is that, but also as a friend in this market. And I just kind of assume that you, for others in Nashville, probably have some similarities with that in mind. Well, I've just been very, very fortunate. And, you know, this, this community, of course, I coached here for eight years with Jeff Fisher. And then, you know, they, uh, Mike Keith, you know, who's uh, the pro's pro, you know, Hall of Famer in the broadcast business, uh, called and asked me to come do it. I mean, I, I, you know, I've been in over 600 NFL games, so I knew what was going on with the game. I didn't know what was going on with the broadcast business. And uh, all of that Titans radio crew led by Mike Keith have really, really helped me. And, you know, this city has embraced me. And, and it, it, it's been really a great Great second career for me here, you know, in Nashville. It really has been. As I know that Rick, you know, enjoys his second career there at Indy. To Dave McGinnis, who joins us. All right, as a former coach, been around the game for so long in that radio booth right now. How long does it take you or any team to really understand, a coach to understand what it has? How deeply into the season do you need to go? Well, it's different now. I mean, it's different than it used to be. When I first got into the league, when Mike Dicka first hired me, there was no free agency and no salary cap. You know, so you had the same players, you know, until they decided to quit playing. And, and so you, you had a better idea of that because the same people were coming back. Now, JMV, when you're flipping the roster, you know, 32% every year of new people, uh, you know, with free agents and then, you know, uh, with draft picks, I mean, just new people, then, then it takes you a while for everybody to kind of coalesce and come together and then, you know, get into sync in the groups that really need to get into sync, like the offensive line, like the secondary. So, you know, I mean, it, and it's and plus now you've got three preseason games where you've got to look at your young players. You know, this year you, you only made one cut, so you had young players around for quite a, quite a while. So the evaluation time frame has become a little bit different. And then plus, you're limited now as to what you can do. When I first started out, I mean, we'd practice uh, twice a day, every day in training camp for five weeks in pads you know, with 120 guys in camp. Well, you know, that's a lot of work, but that's also you can look at a lot of people. Now, you know, you're restricted in the offseason uh, with the number of hours that the players can be on the field. You're restricted with, the, with the, you know, how many days they can be in pads once you get into the season. And then, as I said, bringing those newer people in together, your, your entire uh, evaluation concept and your entire evaluation period is, is different than it used to be. So Dave McGinnis of the Titans Radio Network, Colts and Titans for the first time this year. Coming up week five on Sunday at 1 o'clock at Lucas Oil Stadium. Some of the ups and downs that the team that you follow has had so far to lead to this 2-2 two and two record. We just see, all right, a couple of wins at home, a couple of losses on the road. Go a little bit more in-depth with some of the high points and then the low marks so far you've seen from this football team very early. 
Well, you know, the opener didn't play very well, you know, on, on offense at all, and, and defensively gave up too many explosives. You can look at three issues in any football game, and if you're on the back end of turnovers, you're on the back end of explosives, and you're on the back end of third downs. You know, I think uh, they averaged, you know, third and thirteen, you know, in that in that opener. That, that, that's not conducive, you know, to winning to winning ball games. I mean, it's really not. And so, uh, and then when they've done well, they've been able to extend drives. They've been able to, to put series together. And then, you know, the defense, uh, you know, uh, started, you know, quit allowing explosive plays. And then the third down uh, offense got much better. And so, I mean, it all goes together. I mean, and they've, they've played pretty good on the special teams all four of those games. But the, the, in, in, the, in the two losses, uh, you know, if you can't get things started, you know, on offense, and then and then defensively, you start because you're out there on the field, and the other offense is getting uh, extended looks at you. You give up too many explosives, and now all of a sudden on offense, you've got to abandon the 50-50, and your opponent's not in conflict situations. Then it really puts the onus, you know, on a on your on your protection because they look. I coached defense in this league a long time. If I knew somebody had to throw, then I could crank my dudes up front, up, crank them yeah. up, and let them go. So, basically, you know, the, the, it's the same thing as any formula, but uh, you can't allow explosives. you got to be good on third down, and then you've got to stay away from being minus in the turnover category, especially when you're flipping field positions. Well, and, and, and Dave McGinnis joins us. You can make the argument that Cincinnati certainly, whether it's you know a calf situation with Burrow or, or whatever, is still scuffling. But the one thing the Bengals had brought to the table was consistently being able to put pressure on the quarterback and kind of rising up defensively. And it, it seemed like that it, to me, and this is just, again, Dave, you know, looking at highlights and looking at the box score and, and reading accounts of it, it kind of seemed like that Tennessee Titan football, the way it's played, it almost looked like in that stat line that they got back to that way of playing last week against the Bengals. Any truth to that? Well, JMV, they were able to offensively, we're talking about now, they were able to string together first downs. And, and once you can do that, look, anytime you can put an opposing defense in conflict situations, you know, you know, the second, second and, and, and four and second and, and, Six plus goes to the defense. Third and seven plus goes to the defense. But if you're you're constantly working on second and four or less, and then you're working on third and three or less, then that, then that goes to the offense, and the defense is in conflict situation. And so they were able to do that. And the other thing is, is they were finishing drives with touchdowns. I mean, that's huge. You know, Cincinnati took the ball and marched right down the field. You know, even though the ball was coming out like between 2.3 and 2.5 seconds because the quarterback was just in the cylinder, spinning it quick, uh, they still got down in the red zone, the low red zone, and, and, and the Titans forced them to kick a field goal. Well, then the Titans' offense kicked into gear, and they were able to score, you know, three consecutive touchdowns. And, that, and it makes a difference. Score separation makes a huge difference in a ball game. And uh, that, that is a good formula, too. He's a Dave McGinnis, the longtime NFL coach and the radio talent in the booth coming up on Sunday. The Titans and the Colts, a one o'clock start at Lucas Oil Stadium. So with what you've noticed so far, this has definitely been a new era of football from this Colts team, whether you're talking about Shane Steichen, his head coach, and 21-year-old Anthony Richardson as its quarterback. What has been your impression on this team offensively, Dave? through the first four weeks of the season. And again, in a large part of that had, had taken place, especially one game without Richardson under center. 
Y'all know Richardson missed one game, but I mean, you know, just vetting him, you know, I I I, I vet the draft really hard because I also do a Southeastern Conference show for 20 weeks. I know all these dudes coming out and have been to every combine since it started there in Indian 86. So look, I, this is a generational talent. This guy is a generational physical talent, and anytime you've got a big dude back there that can run and can throw, you've got problems defending him so I mean he's and he only he's only getting better and better and I think Shane's doing a great job of, of handling him you know as far as uh, making him very comfortable with what he's doing and plus they've been running the ball pretty well with, with Zach Moss and you know and if if they if they get Taylor back well then they're going to be doubly dangerous and I've always liked Michael Pittman Jr. he's one of the better combat catchers in the league I mean I coached his dad at the Cardinals I drafted his dad and coached him at the Cardinals so uh, and then Josh Downs, I really, I really like him. I mean, you know, the tight ends, Granson and Ogletree are are, are are really, really good players. But Anthony Richardson is a he's a generational talent, and he's only going to get better as he's as he as he starts to work through it. So it's a big challenge, and anytime you've got a, a generational talent like that, it kind of uplifts everybody else around them. So the Titans can have their hands full with that offense. Dave, I'm curious too, and, I, and it's he's been back for now today, and that's it for Jonathan Taylor, and we'll see for Sunday and see when he's able to come back. But give me your thoughts on what Jonathan Taylor. I've tried to explain it to folks here, and you certainly bring a lot more knowledge and education to football than I do here. Explain to folks around here what a healthy and productive, as we've seen before, Jonathan Taylor brings in terms of helping this offense and in particular its 21-year-old, as you mentioned, generational quarterback. Well, he's an elite back. He's an elite back. He's got speed. He can catch. I mean, he's a you know he's a he's a contact balance runner that's got breakaway speed. Uh, he also he also is a is a jump cutter. I mean, this is a this is a, this is an elite back. And so you know clearly you know when you've got those two back there together, I mean you know you've got to have to be able to honor the run on both of those guys. And then plus, I mean you know in the past, Jonathan Taylor's been very very dangerous in the screen game. I mean anytime you can get a good back, get the ball in his hands enough times in a ball game, I mean sooner or later the talent's going to show through. And Jonathan Taylor is is an elite back. He's an elite back in this league. Dave McGinnis with us. I, yeah, and that's you know, I've, I've talked about that in terms of um, of helping out Richardson. Before I let you go, you'd mentioned the show you do, you know, covering the SEC and such. You, you, and you called Richardson generational. Give me the the most obvious best trait that he has, and then give me something that he absolutely has to work on. What have been on both sides, Dave, of that spectrum? things that you have seen in covering the SEC and the times you've seen Richardson? Well, when he was in Florida, basically, I mean, they were using him as a one-read guy because he could outrun everybody on the field. You know, stick your back foot in the ground, but 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 he could throw it. I mean, look, any any rookie quarterback coming in the National Football League has got to work on his progression reads because defenses are so much different, and plus field dimensions are different. That makes a hell of a difference when those, those hash marks are out wide like they are in college, and then you bring them back to the middle of the field in the National Football League. Plus, windows, you know, you've you got to learn to throw guys open in this league rather than wait until they're open. You put a ball on a hash in the collegiate game and the wide side of the field is three-fourths of the field. That's a lot of area, you know, to work in. But, uh, you know, to me, uh, you just – when, when you've got an athlete, uh, those athletes like that don't come along very often. I don't throw – 
to purge these out very much because I've just done this for, you know, 38 years straight in this league. I know good from bad, and then I know different, you know, from just good. And this guy, as I said, is a generational physical talent. So Dave McGinnis, uh, radio coverage on the Titans Radio Network on Sunday, the former NFL coach in a variety of ways. And again, I mentioned spent a couple of years, as we all should, in Terre Haute, Indiana, in Vigo County. Dave McGinnis is with us. Man, I, I can't thank you enough. I, every time I talk to you, it's almost like I'm talking to Rick. It's awesome. I mean, it really is awesome, man. But the couple of times I talk with you, I really do thoroughly enjoy it, Dave. Thank you. JMV, I appreciate that. Uh, every man is Sycamore. We need to get the Sycamores cranked up a little bit. Let's get a win down there. Terra one, Terra we, two. We, we do. We we, got, we have a uh, retiring president, which needed to happen. So that's one thing that's going on right now. So that needed to happen. Anyway, move JMV, on. I'll, I'll, JMV, I will leave all that administrative stuff to you. I just know that Coach Mallory <laughs> would like to get. A, I know Coach Mallory would like to get a win. Yes, he would. There's no doubt about that. Dave, man, it's a pleasure. Safe travels, buddy. See you, man. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline right now. Friend of the show, Mike Chappell, CBS 4 and Fox 59. He joins us. What did you make of what you saw today? And I'll give you a thumbnail sketch of what I said at the outset. It, I, I, it's exactly what I expected, exactly how he had to handle it. And he is probably the least beneficiary to what he wanted out of this. But the Colts fans, Shane Steichen, this offense, Anthony Richardson will benefit mightily to his return because, Mike, he has no choice. He has no choice to come back and to try to become the Jonathan Taylor that we have seen play at a high level because that is the only way you move further down the road from Taylor's standpoint. That's a thumbnail sketch of what I talked about. Is that true? Yeah, a few things. First of all, again, you're right. I mean, he had – he had another option. He could have not. He could have really, really dug his feet in and, and not and not pass physical and played, which would have been as detrimental as possible to his career. So he he's out here now because he's out of options. As as for the press conference, I hoped for more. Uh, I, I I thought he would have been better served to somehow, and it would have been a tough balance to somehow address the off season. We didn't we didn't create this off season. Jonathan Taylor and the Colts did by their actions. Uh, you know we didn't we we didn't uh, not get the extension. We didn't request a trade and, and all this. So I thought. To some level, he would have been better served. This is from the media talking, okay? I mean, we've got our own not agenda, but we we've got the way things we the way we think things should be done. But I I think he could have addressed things without getting too deep. We weren't going to get in. He wasn't going to get into what he and Ursay talked for in an hour on, on the bus, which mostly was Jim Ursay talking or all of that. But I I think he could have still said, you know. I still believe I'm a top running back. I still believe I've I, I I won an extension. Now maybe it would have been hard once you opened the door to to limit 
the information he gave us, and he's not going to get. We're not going to get blow by blow details. I thought he could have addressed the, the the major bullet points without going down rabbit holes that we would have tried to drag him down. So, in that regard, I was disappointed. You're right. That's probably all we should have expected. I just think that the, the, all the questions are still there, and we may never ever get the nope. answers to them. And uh, and I'll tell you one thing about the fans and the fan base: if, if he's back playing ball and he's back to you know that guy, they don't care. They won't care about you know all the stuff that's gone on. And we'll still have those questions because, darn it! I mean, again, we didn't we didn't create this situation. He and the team did. So, in, in that regard, I, I think a lot of us walked away disappointed. But you're probably right that that's probably what we should have expected. But I'd hope for something a little bit more than we got. It's on Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I think any sort of full disclosure on how he really felt about all this and what really went down only has the opportunity to vilify him more. And while you're dis- right, I don't, dis- and, I don't and we, disagree. We have, we have talked about this. It is going to be easy for him to come back. You produce and the fans are going to love you. I just didn't think that was a spot where he needed at this point in time to go that in depth. And I agree with you. I don't think we're ever going to know. And if we ever do know, it may be someplace else where he's on another team. But I will say this. He and Chris Ballard are similar in talking with them. They both will endear you in conversation. They will both be incredibly entertaining. And then you come away sometimes thinking you got a hell of a lot more than you actually did. They're both in interview situations, to me, very similar. I've always gotten that from Jonathan Taylor because he's only going to let you know what he wants you to know and then move forward, but he's still going to be entertaining and doing it. And that's the same damn thing that Chris Ballard does around here. He lets people believe that he's letting you behind the curtain when he's really only letting you know what he wants you to know. They're very similar in that capacity. Oh, and, and there have been times with Chris, no no question, you sit there and you go back and transcribe it, and you think, hey, I got some pretty good stuff. And you really don't. He's just really good about saying a lot of things nicely and not giving you much. The only, again, go, going back to Taylor, though, this was his first talking to us since June. And a lot of, a lot of stuff's gone on. And in the absence of those, of, of getting his side of things, and, you know, there's a lot of times we don't get player sides of things, but then they bitch and moan that all you, you know, you're not, all you're getting is a team side. Well, you know, that's all we got. In the absence of that, we start doing, you know, we're reading body language in training camp for crying out loud. He's wearing a hood and he's scowling, you know, well, he may have been, but it, 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 this was his chance to at least, Give us something. Again, no details. I didn't expect that. But I still think he, he, he could have done something more than than, than nothing because we really didn't get You know, Kevin Bowen, we all asked questions. And Kevin asked, well, do you still want to be a Colt? And then we got that. Well, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm here now. Yeah. Well, that, that, the, the overriding quote coming out of that 11-minute press conference is, right now I'm here. And while I'm here, well, you know, there's still the question is how committed are you? But you're you're exactly right. 
this is now the ball's in his court. Uh, he needs to come in, and whether it's Sunday, whether it's a week from Sunday, and he needs to show that he's healthy and that he is approaching the player he was in 2021. And if nothing else, it's going to get him paid somewhere. Whether it's here next year, probably under a franchise tag, or the team gets an offer that they just can't refuse and they trade him and they get stuff. But that's on him. No one's going to do that until he proves that he's back to being the the incredible player that we that we've seen. You know, I thought he had a hell of a year last year, considering that circus that was in town. So you know, it's on him now. And again, like we both mentioned, is the people are very very. I'm not I'm not including the media here because sometimes we're not people, but people are very forgiving. They are. And if he comes out and plays well, then then all the stuff that's gone on primarily will be forgotten. And, and but, but there are still questions that have to be answered, you know, in, in the team, and, and that'll be the team. Are you going to give him an extension at the end of the season? Are you going to franchise him? Because he still doesn't. He's still – all he's in control of now is how he plays. His, his future – employment is still solely in the hands of Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard. So, you know, that, that's kind of where we are because th- I, I just don't see them not – if he has a good year, I just don't see them not franchising him. I, that's, and that's the one thing he doesn't want. He, he really hey. doesn't want – and they can franchise him two years. So uh, we'll see where this goes. And I hope – you know, he, he's always been great to work with. I hope he has a, ha- has a phenomenal season, and then we'll see – but that's up to him. So Mike Chappell, who joins us, uh, and maybe we do, maybe I'm, I'm kind of uh, understating this a great deal, but why does it seem like we, we leave more uh, of the responsibility in this whole soap opera on the shoulders of Taylor than we do to the Colts? Because let's well, face it, the Colts have told us stuff, but they haven't told us jack squat. I mean, they really haven't. Well, so why least, why do we put the onus on Jonathan Taylor for telling us everything when he returns like he did today? Well, when we talked to Chris before the season started, he kind of laid things out. He didn't uh, really tell you anything, though. What happened? Well, I mean, no, we, just, we want to know what happened. I mean, he didn't tell us what well, happened. But though. we're not we're not going to we're not going to get how the sausage was made. I mean, the, the ugly parts. But he he told us that hey, it's not you know the situation sucks. You know, it, it, it's this. You know, he kept saying that the relationships were repairable, and you know, we 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 had trade discussions and we had offers and this that and the other. He gave us that. We've gotten nothing, zero, from Taylor's side. Nothing. Uh, the few things that his agents put out there. So this sometimes players say, "Well, you guys don't give my side." Well, this this was a chance, and it would have been really really difficult to give a little information and not a lot of information. It would have been really, really hard, but to simply say, you know, I'm not here to talk about contract stuff. That was stuff in the off season. Well, yeah, but you've never addressed it. So on that, on that regard, I think this was a missed chance for him to at least, to at least say, give his, the bare bones of what went on. Hey, he could have very easily said, Hey, you know, I took the stance I did and I felt strongly about it, and and now I'm back. You know, it, it you know it didn't work, and here I am playing again. He could have said that, and, and 
I'm not saying we would have been satisfied at all because there's still the talk or there's still the question of how did it take you eight months to get back to playing football after after a surgery that EJ Speed come back from, from pretty quick. And I realize all surgeries are different and all that stuff. But, again, I, I, this was his chance because good luck. I mean, whenever we talk to him in the future, he's not talking about anything other than the next game. He's not. So today, today was a chance to at least, at least give his side as much as he wanted to. And again, I come back to the fact that it would have been really hard to give something and not more. It would have been because once you open the door, it's you know we're going to try to break it down. But this was this was his chance, and players have done it before. Players have done taken taken this chance to be more expansive, and he chose not to, and that's what we're left with. Hey, Mike, do you think at all that there is a a protection from both he and the Colts about a a non-football-related injury? Do you think that something did happen? And, again, this is just a a guess, a theory, an educated opinion, whatever. But do you think that there's a a little protection that something else other than that ankle situation actually happened that, again, maybe we'll never hear about? Oh, probably. And Steve and I both wrote about it. Stephen Holder and I both wrote about it. We were we were told that it was yeah. it was something they were they were thinking about. You know, I think it was a good idea that they didn't because that would have really, you know, taken this thing up a bunch of notches. But it was something they 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 thought about. So uh, we're, we're never going to hear <laughs> we're never going to get any details on that at all. You know, at the same time, I was told that the people at the at the complex including medical people were were absolutely convinced that he should he could have passed a physical in July for training camp. Uh so you know but we're we're not going to get details. We're not uh maybe if someone one finally writes a book a tell all book will that'll be a you know chapter 12 or 20 considering all that's gone on with this franchise. But no it, 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 and again that's that those are things that I never even thought would come up today. But he's so brushed off the idea that why it has taken so long to get back and pass a physical other than, hey, all surgeries are different and people rehab differently and all that, which is, you know. So, yeah, we, we got what we got and we wanted more. And, you know, we were probably delusional to, to think we we're, were going to get more. Yeah, and one of the reasons I brought that up, I heard that response too, but um, a listener named Alex had tweeted me or x me a little bit earlier and said, did, did anyone notice – that Taylor said that he was healthy at some point during the off season and then realized he said that and tried to backtrack a little bit to say there isn't just one day that you can say that he got healthy. And again, we're all, I guess, and I know you guys were all kind of looking for, you know, being out there a, a little bit more than what you were going to get, but I, it just interests me. And I agree with you. That's yeah, why he, I, I, I said that here. as well. I just got done transcribing. Yeah. I said, when did you get healthy? Over the course of this whole off season, there's never a specific date because there's always progressions. So you know, I, I don't know. Was was there a setback? I the, yeah. the the impressions that Steve and I got was it's not that this was something that all of a sudden happened, but this was something that, that may have happened when when he was working out on his own in Arizona. So I, I don't know. And again, that that never that never really came to fruition. Because right. it would have really, it would have really, you know, taken this thing to a different level. And again, we're never going to know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I hope he stays healthy. I hope he has a great 
into the season, not into the season, two thirds of the season. And, and then we're going to have fun in February and March trying to figure out what this team is going to do because, you know, the, the, the best, the best extension he's going to get in my mind is one that reflects two years of two franchise, you know, a three year deal with that reflects two franchise tags, which is going to be 20, I don't know, $25 million over two years. I don't know. But all that hinges, as you mentioned and I talked about, is all going to hinge on how does he play over, over the rest of the season. And that, that's, you know, sometimes players don't have a control over their, their careers. He does as far as how he performs over the next, uh, the rest of the season. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He, he kind of at times, again, and we were all, you know, I'm sure kind of reading and measuring his words, he sounded like a dude that maybe thought he could be good to go coming up on Sunday. Was that just all yep. wishful thinking, or do you I think he know. sounded like that? Yeah, and Shane Sykin is, you know, sometimes coaches just don't give any optimism on something happening, and he did. He, you know, we'll see, we'll see. And, you know, they uh, they signed Trey, Trey Sermon a couple of weeks ago, and he played after a couple of practices. Now, the difference is, he went through, you know, camp and preseason w- with Philly, I think it was, and Taylor hasn't. Uh, but I won't be surprised if he's out there for, I don't know, 20 plays, 10, 10 touches, I don't know. Running backs can, can, can be absorbed into an offense very quickly. I, I go back to 99 when Edgerton missed almost all the training camp and he led the league in rushing. So uh, it's not ideal but I think it's certainly possible. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would not think at all, but today kind of got me believing that's that's the case. Mike Chappell's with us. All right, get a couple of guys back from concussion protocol and Bernard Ryman still there, correct? Yeah, and to say they got a couple guys back is, is – Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the wrong phrasing. You got back at practice today, not through concussion protocol, but back at practice. I'm sorry. Yeah, because yeah. Ryan Kelly practiced a couple of days last week and then didn't take the final step. Right. I can't remember what Quiddy Pay's designation was today, whether he was limited or didn't practice. Uh, yeah, it's going to be – you know, and the fact that Bernard Ryman did not practice today is not encouraging – so th- those are those are those are you know funky things to to to, to deal with and I, I saw a note that I think Adam Schefter had last week was that after three weeks no player who got a concussion on a Sunday played that next Sunday they yeah. were going to miss a game now the only thing and I retweeted well you know uh, Drew Ogletree got a concussion in the opener. And he 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 made his way through protocol in time to play, but the team chose to keep him out. So, but it's never it's never a good sign when when a guy has a concussion to play the next game. It's just not the way. It's rarely that a player comes back and, and plays right away. So I'm expecting Bernie not to play this week. And Ryan Kelly, you just don't know. Hey, Mike. Clearly, when Gus Bradley was answering questions from you guys the other day. Uh, he knew what he was getting into when he was asked regarding Shaquille Leonard, and now you're starting to get a lot of conversation about, hey, you look at his contract, you look at the money he gets paid, and with that type of production, which may, you know, some people believe to be his high water mark now, is just not going to jive again with what he is getting paid. 
did he, he kind of helped that out a little bit by suggesting that he doesn't expect to see out of Shaquille Leonard what he needs to see or does ultimately expect to see out of Leonard until November? Is that going to cool anything? I doubt if it will. No. But was that a response to you think a lot? You think that was a response to a lot of folks out there, you know, making opinions where this guy is is well past it and get paid too much? No, I, I thought Gus maybe tried to tamp down the criticism a little bit by saying, hey, we are playing all along. Yeah. Just to maybe not see him and really see him until November. And I tell you, I, I went into the season. I, we may have talked about it. I, I wasn't expecting, you know, the old Shaquille Leonard right out of the gate. I, I, I was encouraged by the fact that he, he, he's played and he's shown you things of speed. Now, he's not making impact plays. He's got one tackle for a loss. And I think he did not practice today. That's two days in a row with a groin injury. But so far, the 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 the, the back issues have not really been a factor. Now, if we're if we're still here in late November and and you know six tackles and boy, I didn't really see a lot, then we have issues. And, and the fact that they're really, I guess, platooning him is the right word. I don't know with their defense and they're getting EJ Speed more on the field. I, I, I'm not too discouraged, but if we're having this discussion in, in, you know, six weeks, then I think everyone is concerned because he's got that monster contract and you, you can, you can, you can readjust that if you're the team. Uh, but I, I'm not there yet. I just want to see another couple, another month or so. And then before I start getting overly concerned, but I understand people's, uh, people's concerns at this point, because you're used to seeing a more dynamic player. Hey, Mike, did um, Gus Bradley air in judgment in not sending and blitzing guys after a obviously hobbled and hampered on Sunday, Matthew Stafford? Because he did that in that Baltimore game and reaped the benefits from it. They went kind of straight up and were worried about the back end, got their ass whipped in the back end, and then didn't put any pressure on a quarterback that really needed a golf cart to get around there, you know, trying to get away from people. Was that a bad judgment call, a bad decision on part of the defensive coordinator of the Colts? He might like a do-over, probably. Uh, now, the only thing is, uh, I don't know how effective uh, Buckner was at the time. He was on a pit. Well, he was on a pitch count, and he didn't play in overtime, so that didn't matter. And you weren't, you didn't get much out of Quiddy. I need to go back and see if Quiddy, he had the concussion symptoms after the game, but they weren't getting, you know, really good pressure, uh, and they weren't getting very little from from the inside. So yeah, you you, you really want, need to do that because Stafford's that good. Give any good, give any quarterback time, and he's and he's going to get to you. They got to him at times because you know, and Dio had a great game. I mean, that's why Stafford had the the the, the hip injury. Is Dio smacked him around quite a bit? And oh, by the way, don't have two of your cornerbacks jump on the same guy and leave Puka Nukoa, you know, as open as it can possibly get in overtime. So if if, if you have blown coverages, I'm not sure what the uh, pass rush is going to matter. So it, it was just a bad overtime. It just was. But it's always better. Whenever you, you you do something and it doesn't work, do something else. But I, I always would err on the side of of pressure and hope that the pressure makes the quarterback do things he's, he's not ready to do or not willing to do. But that wasn't the case. I, I think they might like a do-over in that case. Mike Chappell's with us. Um, final thing, I have uh, dubbed this a must-win situation on Sunday. 
Uh, this team has lost seven this straight at home. Lot. Yeah, uh, this is pretty legitimate. There are different, I think, levels of must wins for me. Uh, this is like at a, at a top level. They've lost seven straight at home. Uh, they have been housed repeatedly by a much tougher Tennessee team and Mike Vrabel, which I'm assuming that all the way up to the owner, they're tired of. And it is a laundry list of two and two teams in the AFC South right now to where I know that we put you know, this team at a very low level. But as I say, what the hell might as well. I mean, if if you can win it, win it. Why shouldn't this be a must-win against this Titans team? If you're thinking in terms of being competitive further down the road, well, it's going to give us an indication of maybe where this team goes. I mean, after five games, again, if you're three and it, it's a, it's different. It just is because after this game, what, don't they go to Jacksonville? And yes, that's that, going to be a double must-win if they win. I mean, it's a must-win too. But yeah. then you come back at home with who was it, New Orleans, and I can't think who yeah. the other team is. But but Cleveland maybe. Yeah, Cleveland. I don't know. So you got you got a chance to to kind of steer where this season's going to go early, and they had that chance last year, and they didn't really do it. But God, when you've lost seven straight at home, and eight straight, well, it'll tie the Indy record uh, of consecutive losses, and you know it's hard to do anything. Go back and uh, watching the Cincinnati Reds this year. If they could have just won at home, for crying out loud, they'd still be playing. They were awful. Uh, And we know this since 1984, right? There have been some bad teams here, brother. Some bad teams. To set an all-time record here with consecutive losses is not a good thing considering what we have seen, especially in the 1980s. Correct. And you you should find a way just to fall into one just so you you, you break the streak. So you got to win at home. And they know that. And Tennessee is, you know, what are you going to get? You know, they win one week, twenty-seven to three. They lose the week before, twenty-seven to three. So, but you got Derrick Henry, and he's going to run for a hundred, you know, what, hundred and five, hundred. You hope it's a hundred and five. So, yeah, this, this one will give you direction on where, what this team's realistic possibilities are. Can they contend in a what's been a so-so AFC South or? You know, will they start piling up losses, and then you start thinking about draft positioning, which you. You don't want to do try to win. I mean, try try to win and and then see where you are in November and what you can do. So yeah, this must win. Yeah, I know where you're yes. saying. Yes, come on now, come on, buddy, join me in the land of I, must win. We we've been on islands before. I I I'm not quite there on must win, but better win good be a good idea to win because it can get away from you. It, especially when you can't win at home, when you don't win at home. So I'll just say that it, it, this would be a nice one to win just because it gives you better direction going forward. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, about as close as he's going to get <laughs> to an early October Colts game and saying must win. You're on the verge. I almost I'm talked you verge. into it right there. Yep. Not quite there yet, but I'm, I'm peeking in the door. Appreciate you, brother. See you on Sunday. See you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Cue the band back to the studio. Thank you, James. Our Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna's Real Tequila Shots. Week number five of the NFL. You get a clunker tonight. 
on Amazon, <laughs> the Bears and the Commanders. And baseball really smart by not having any playoff games tonight or tomorrow. Well done. Uh, Bears and Commanders tonight with the Commanders, the six-point favorite. Lay the six. Give me Washington there, Brent Halverson. Yeah, you know, the, the Bears, they, they, they covered last week by a half point. Yeah. You know, they, uh, they, they came out strong against Denver. Then they just, they just fell apart. I, I tell you, I think that Washington Commander's defensive front is going to really tear up the Bears. I think they're going to have a tough time running the ball. Where the Bears need to do something is with Justin Fields. We just still haven't really seen that yet. Uh, I tell you, six is kind of a bigger number here than I would like, but uh, I still think, I think Washington's going to get that job done at home. Uh, as long as Sam Howell doesn't go four, t- four interception crazy like he did two weeks ago, I'll take the uh, Commanders, lay the six. Jason. All right, I'm with you guys. Uh, Washington Commanders, minus six. I think at home they're just uh, going to be too strong against the Bears. The Bears just – they haven't got this year. I don't know if they'll ever, ever get it, but – You know, there's never, a, ever again. There's yeah. a great song out there as a Packer fan. I love saying this. Sorry, Romy, if you're listening out there, man. A song called The Bears Still Suck. Yeah. I'd like to cue that right now if we could, but we'll, we'll try that again next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of, those, one of these days we'll have that certainly is true right now. Jaguars and Bills over in London, the second of two for the Jaguars in England. As of right now, that is the uh, Bills looking really good here of late. They just absolutely tore apart Miami last week. Five and a half point favorites. To me, that's easy. Lay that five and a half. Give me the Bills in London, Brent Halverson. You nailed your Larceny lock last week with Buffalo. That was a great call. They did come out looking really, really good, my man. Hey, you know what? You're right. This is kind of a a home game, if you will, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think Buffalo is too strong here. The little number five and a half, I thought it would have been a little bit stronger than that. I think Buffalo wins 29 to 18. Give me Buffalo, lay the five and a half. Jason, talk to us. All right. I, th- I think this is a trick. Uh, minus five and a half. I think they're, they're wanting you to bet Buffalo Bills. But I am. I, I think they're too, like you said. <laughs> the trick worked on you, then, huh? It did. Huh? <laughs> it did. I, I, think I would think it would be more than that. Yeah. But I, I, I can't get away from Buffalo. They're just too strong. I agree. C.J. Stroud has been so good so far, really good on a team that has really nothing outside of Nico Collins around him. He has been outstanding as a rookie quarterback through four weeks on the road against Atlanta. Atlanta getting back um, from that game in London. They are one-and-a-half-point favorites in Georgia coming up on Sunday. I, To me, here's what I do. I believe that's in Georgia, right? That's not. That that's is correct. Cool. Yeah. That I'm going to make sure of that. I'm going to go ahead and – Take the point and a half. Give me C.J. Stroud of the Texans on the road, everybody. I like that, too, and you're absolutely right. C.J. Stroud, out of, out of all those young quarterbacks right that came out, he is absolutely looking. I mean, he's great. His, uh, you know, his completion percentage, everything he's doing right now, he's, just, he's, he's, he's got him at two and two, which who would have thought they would have been there? Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, though. I, I think the uh, – I, I, I like it. I'm going to take the plus uh, one and a half points. I'm going to take Houston. I think they went out right, but uh, you're giving me a point and a half. I'm taking it. Houston plus one. Jason. I'm right with you guys. Houston, uh, I think the quarterback is playing really strong. Um, Some of their wide receivers are really developing. Atlanta, just I haven't seen anything good from them. Uh, The quarterback had just faulted. Desmond Ritter's not quite it. Yep. So I'm going uh, Houston. All right, the Lions in our Larsity Bourbon Locks, Luna Zul Tequila Shots, week number five, a 10-point favorite versus the Carolina Panthers. The issue with the Panthers, this is a big number, but it has been a struggle offensively. They're looking for a top-tier wide receiver that uh, logically they are not going to find. And Frank Reich already, through the first four weeks, last week explained how he called a play for a guy that wasn't on the field. 
And A, you don't do that. And B, you sure as hell don't tell people that you do that. So it's disarray. Lay the 10. Give me the Lions coming up on Sunday, Brent. Yeah, that's a big number. It is. But uh, I, I think this is a stronger team right here. And 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 I've got to actually, we'll, we'll kind of roll into this with a double shot. Why Luna don't Zool. you? Uh, we've got our Lunazul shot of the week. I'm going to go ahead and get that out of the way here. Uh, and it's, it's kind of an interesting one here, John. So Detroit defense. They've been out there. They're out there in 50% of the leagues. Picking a Get defense, on Detroit defense to play this week. I think they're going to have their way with Carolina. And then as a side note, the, the double part to this here, let's call this the uh, Detroit double, Jamison Williams, who uh, is back off fresh, of suspension. Off, fresh off of his suspension from gambling, right? So what are we talking about? We're talking about gambling. I'd gamble on this guy, stash him, and keep an eye out because uh, I don't know if uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, he did not mm-hmm. practice today, so we're going to have to watch that to see if he plays or not. If he doesn't play, you're going to see some good Jamison Williams out there. But in the weeks to come, he's one to have on your bench. So he I, I may be him. on a pitch count, but it doesn't take, in fantasy football, it doesn't take much. A couple of plays here or there against a bad team to make that happen. What do you got over there, Jason? Um, I'm going with uh, Detroit. Detroit, uh, I think the play calling has been excellent this year. Um, I think they've got a lot more weapons than they did last year. Uh, Carolina hasn't really showed me anything uh, that I like about them, even though that's uh, 10 points. Um, I think that's my lock. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Detroit. Larsley Bourbon Locks, Luna's old tequila shots. The Giants look like the worst team in the NFL right now. The Dolphins, at one point in time, look like the best. Maybe not so much after last week in that loss to Buffalo. 11-point favorites at home. The Dolphins against the Giants. Hey, listen, I'll lay that big number easily. The Giants are in disarray. Everybody's mad about everything. Their quarterback stinks. And lay the 11. Take the Dolphins. Coming up on Sunday, Brent. Big number, but you got a double factor here, right? You got the, the that Giants team. They they look horrible. They look absolutely horrible. Danny Dimes is more like Danny Pennies. He, he doesn't look like anything out there. Brian Dable's throwing uh, iPads at him. Yeah, I mean it was just a just a complete deray. Well, they disarray. allowed like twenty five sacks. They, too, which they, their sweet. offensive line. It was pretty hilarious on Monday night. It, it was. was. I, mean, I they laughed a lot. Nine or eleven yeah. sacks they gave up. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, in Miami, bounce back, right? They they just took one uh, pretty hard from the Buffalo Bills. They're going back home. They still got a squad. They got that double running back threat. They got the two of the fastest, best wide receivers out there. I think Miami comes out, puts their footprint on here. Big number, but let's lay it. I'll take Miami, lay the 11. Jason. I like all that. Miami's defense is going to get on on the, on point this time. Uh, Miami, I love their play calling and everything you guys said about the Giants. They're just total disarray. A New England's era is absolutely positively over. However, they're one-point favorites at home against the Saints. I'm going to go ahead and take that point. Yeah, give me the Saints on the road because it is it is all but over for Belichick in New England right now. It's over. Done. It, it is. This is a game I personally will not touch. I mean, I think this game could be – it could end in a tie, actually. I might bet that. I mean, if this game is in a tie, you know, it's probably paying pretty good odds. I think it's just ugly. I mean, if you look last week, though, Carr didn't look like he was ready to be back out on the field. No. I think I think Winston should have been out there for them. So we'll see if that does another week here. I think the Patriots at home, though. I'm going to take Belichick at home. I'll lay the one. Give me the New England Patriots minus one. What do you got, Jason? Nice, nice. I'm uh, I'm going with the Saints. Anytime I can bet against the Patriots, I do. Uh, and I think uh, New Orleans Saints are going to handle them more. Yeah, well, and the Steelers, the next, I'm sorry, next game is the Ravens and the Steelers. Steelers are, are working now, obviously, with the quarterback situation. So Trubisky in, Pickett is out as it stands right now. A lot of people are trying to get me to go. George Pickens is on my fantasy team. Hey, go ahead and give him as a, a Larceny Bourbon 
uh, Lock Luna's old tequila shot of the week in fantasy football. I refuse to do it. However, I am going to take the Ravens on the road. Impressive without Deshaun Watson under center in their win over Cleveland last week. Four-point favorites on the road in Pittsburgh. Lay the four and give me the Ravens easily. In fact, that's going to be my larceny bourbon lock of the week on the road. The Ravens with their win over the Steelers. Yeah, I like that call. You know, I th- again, the Steelers, they haven't looked good. But they got a little change up there, but you got your Bisky back, right? That's a whole other issue we talked about uh, last year, right? Like what yeah, they were Stroud doing. looks so good against their defense. Yeah. Oh, oh, he I did know. what he wanted. I know. But again, you know, we've got uh, we've got Baltimore Ravens, right? And Lamar Jackson, he's starting to kind of get his way a little bit. They're still injured a little bit at uh, receiver. That Zay Flowers kid, I think he's going to have a big game back there. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join you there. Give me Baltimore. Lay the four. I'll take the Ravens on the road. Jason. I'm going to take Baltimore. Uh, I think they're they're going to play well this game. Pittsburgh not playing as well, and that's all I got. Hey, uh, the Bengals, because of a calf or whatever, have looked like crap so far this year. Let's just face it. Um, I, I have called the Colts a must-win on Sunday. People know that. Let's face it. This is a must-win for the Bengals on Sunday. On the road against Arizona, two-and-a-half-point favorites. They have been an offensive disaster so far. And if it's the reason of the calf, whatever. Doesn't matter. you got to come away with the win. I think that they respond finally offensively. So lay the two-and-a-half. Give me the Bengals on the road in Phoenix or in Glendale, Arizona, Brent, coming up. This is another game I will not touch. I just have not seen anything out of Cincinnati. Must-win, Bengals, It everybody. is a must-win, must but the last couple weeks have been, and, and they have scored 49 points. They are the second lowest scoring team in the NFL. 49 points after four weeks. Yes. And you get the Arizona Cardinals, who they put up 88 points. They're number 18, middle of the pack. They've Dobbs is kind of looking good. You got uh, Connor looking good. The Ertz back there. Ertz is kind of a relevant thing again. I don't know here. I'm going to go ahead and take the uh, home dog. I would buy this up to three if I was going to bet it, and I would take uh, Arizona Cardinals plus three. We'll call it two and a half because we have to take what we see. Yes. Jason, give it to us. I like uh, Arizona, definitely. Uh, I think they're playing better, especially at home. Cincinnati, I've got three of their players on my fantasy, and they're just killing me. <laughs> they're dogs, too. Just, it just, and if you think about it, Jamar Chase, he was a number one, number yeah, two pick yeah, out of yeah. a lot of people, you know, yep. and, and Burrow as well. They're just yes. not doing it. So I'm, I'm definitely going to Arizona. Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Zilt, Tequila Shots, week number five. Four and a half point favorites are on the road. The Eagles against the team that beat the Colts last week in the L.A. Rams at SoFi Stadium. Here's what we're going to do here. The Eagles are going to do what the Colts couldn't, and that is get after a damaged product in Matthew Stafford and sustain that, much less be able offensively to do and not have a whole half of absolutely nothing. Lay that four and a half. And if I didn't already lock up a game, I'll maybe give you double lockup power here with the Eagles. Lay the four and a half and their win convincingly on the road in Southern California, Brent. You know, I, I think this is going to be a great game. I mean, you've got the, the Rams who get Cooper Cup back. We don't know how, how he'll be out on yep. that field. He's been kind of a little bit, you know, on the sideline. Puka Nakua has been really Puka good. But that, that's going to end on Sunday, bro. He has been the man. But then they got Tutu Atwell as well. They got a good receiving crew back there. Uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I do. I, I'm going to join you there, though. I like Philadelphia. I think Get Philadelphia the has the bigger power. Uh, I'll lay the four and a half. Give me the Eagles. Kakaw on the road. Jason. <laughs> All right. I like Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, plain and simple. They're they're a great team. Rams not so great. There. I think he's banged up. Uh, I don't think they can get the ball out as quick as they did against the the Colts. 
So that for that reason, I'm taking Philly. Not much time on this this next game in our large team bourbon locks. Luna's will tequila shots. Broncos two point favorites at home against the Jets. I mean, really, just saying both teams speaks volumes right here. Lay the two. Give me the Broncos because they're at home and because I just don't want to say here or whatever. <laughs> whatever happens. Ah. My toes are still tapping. Oh, I hear you, my friend. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, we're talking about the Jets, and they just yeah. they, they just look ugly. They do until they get uh, – I did hear that the handcuffs are going to be kind of off Brees Hall to kind of let him go wild yeah, now. Yeah, I saw that too. Denver, Denver's a different story, though. You get out in the Mile High City, it's going to be a little bit rough out there. I think Denver's, Denver's starting to kind of get some things together. They pulled out a late-night win. Give me the Broncos. I'll uh, I'll lay the two. I think the Broncos win this one 23-17. What do you got there, Jason? I think it's going to be a field goal fest. And for that reason, I'm taking Denver. All right, next up, Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna's Will Tequila the Shots. This one's for Tommy S. Chiefs and Vikings. Chiefs are four-point favorites on the road in Minneapolis. I'm going to lay the four. I'm wondering, Tommy S., you think the Colts could trade for Justin Jefferson in the offseason? <laughs> because I just I, I've got this theory I've got this theory right here do you like Osborne I think Osborne's going to have a big game but I want to see the Colts trade for Justin Jefferson this offseason can I give myself a sports arousal sitting here just by saying that you don't think so alright then you thought I was going to make you happy with my take and I did not apologize all right, what did I say? I'm going to lay whatever the number was. I'm going to lay the number for the Chiefs and take them on the road. Sorry, Kansas Tommy. City what do you forward? got? And Not the, so fast, and the Colts, my friend. Not the Colts so having fast. answered Justin Jefferson wanting out and a new place, and that new place being here. I'm sorry. We can dream. Go ahead. We can dream. <laughs> I tell you, I, I watched that, that Kansas City Jets game, and wow. I mean, yeah. just amazed how – I mean, they made, they made Zach Wilson look good. He's a decent quarterback. And they're not. I mean, they're horrible. Kansas City barely won that game. Kansas City has receiver issues right now. Uh, outside of Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swifty, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I'm going to take Minnesota Vikings it's to get TNT, the win. I believe now. To get, not only cover the four, Minnesota gets the win. Tommy, outright. I didn't get clapped. Tommy Sutton. I want Justin Jefferson here. Skull. I want Justin Skull. Jefferson here. I didn't get clapped for that. Man. <laughs> no, he's not. I know. I'm just wondering. We got to work some disgruntled nature in there for him somewhere. Go ahead, Jason. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings. They've got to win. It's at home. Uh, Kansas City, this may be a game that they're looking past. Um, I, uh, for that reason, I'm going Minnesota. I like Larcity, it. Bourbon Locks, Luna's Will Tequila Shots, the best game of the weekend. Cowboys and Niners with San Fran, three and a half point favorites. You know what? You mentioned the defense that we were taking in your Luna's Will Tequila Shots. Who was that again? That was Detroit Lions. I'll tell you what. Dallas with defense and special teams oh, tears go. it up in special teams. I know because I have them. And I mean, they're more consistent in scoring high level points than my players. Yeah. It has been incredible so far. And while that could definitely be enough to get them over on the road. Alas, against this Niners team, it will not lay that three and a half and give me Brock Purdy and the Niners this weekend. Yeah, and again, I think this is that marquee matchup we talk about of the week right here. Uh, you know, you've got the three and one Cowboys going against the undefeated 4-0 San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. I'm going to lay the three and a half. Always buy that half point, though. Get it to three. Make it a field goal because it could be that game. Yes. But I feel pretty confident. This is going to be my larceny lock of the week. San Francisco 49ers cover easy. Jason. I'm taking the 49ers. Um, I, I just think they have a, a far superior team. Other than defense, defense, I will give Dallas 
has got got after the other teams. But uh, I definitely want the 49ers this week. Shout out to Aiden O'Connell, who got that first NFL start and was uh, sacked 9,000 times by Khalil Mack last week uh, in that loss. Um, and whoever you want to put this on, you want to put that on him as a rookie quarterback, Josh McDaniels, his coach, whatever. It, it seems like the, the bigger disaster right now is the Raiders over the Packers. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Packers, lay the one. They're the favorites. Give me the Packers in Vegas as a lesser disaster than the Raiders are right now. Brent. I like that call, John. I'm boarding a plane Saturday, heading out to Vegas. We're going to the game Monday night, Lisa and I. Looking forward to getting out there, seeing this beautiful stadium, and seeing a big Packer W. I and know. I tell you, we've that's, got – That's Peach. Was that yours? We've got a lot of uh, – I will drink it, whatever it is. So, you know, cool. that's there. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff going on out there. Christian Watson back. Yes. Aaron Jones back. They weren't Jones wasn't really back in the fold. They looked ugly last Thursday night. That was a horrible game against the Lions. I, I think of a week's practice here. They've got a really long week now because they went from Thursday playing to Monday. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers here, too. I Good think idea. it's going to be a 24-21 type game. Nothing big and flashy. Green Bay, I'll be there rooting you on, Pack. Go, Pack, go. Jason, what do you got? I got Green Bay Packers. Um, yes. uh, Vegas is just kind of finding themselves. Uh, they got a good running game. Uh, the quarterback, uh, I I don't speak really highly of him, so I'm just going to take the Green Bay Packers. All right, all right. All right, here it is. Our Larsi Bourbon Locks, Luna Zul, Tequila Shots. Let's get to the game on Sunday here with the Titans and the Colts. Of course, the marquee in the AFC South for us here. I have dubbed this, and I don't really mention this easily or flippantly. This is a must-win situation for the Colts. Brent. This Colts team has not won in Lucas Oil Stadium in seven tries. That's flat embarrassing. Wow. It's time to get over it. Jim Ursay, their owner, is sick and stinking tired. I mean tired of losing the Titans, being out tough by the Titans. You remember years ago when uh, Chris Ballard made the mistake and hired that clown McDaniels and he quit in the 11th hour. If you remember, uh, I mean, they – they, they, I mean, it, it just, it just seems like the Tennessee since that point in time, since hiring Mike Vrabel, has been the tougher team, um, and that has to end at some point. It really needs to end coming up on Sunday. So here's what I'm going to do, Brent. In that game, two point favorites of the Titans right now. Give me the two, and give me the Colts to win that bad boy, twenty-two to twenty. You know, this is a tough game. That's a big stat you just threw out there. Must-win situation. Must-win situation. You're absolutely right. Next week will be even more must-win, but this was must-win for this week. It is, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, look at last week. Tennessee came out just up firing on all cylinders, too. I mean, they Derrick Henry was back. You They're know? bad I mean, on the road, too. They're good at home, bad on the road. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, you know, this one, the, the line movements got me a little bit confused on this game. Colts were a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They were. It's flipped, too. That tells me something right there, right away. However, I think this home field advantage it doesn't work in seven tries i think it changes here Give it's me the colts gotta plus two. that's why i say it is a must it's gotta change colts you plus cannot two. lose eight in a row at home nope don't do it jason don't yep. do it i like uh i'm gonna tease it up i'm gonna get a point to three. Oh, absolutely I'm gonna take the colts yep. all day long uh, i think the colts uh after that game against the rams yep. they really uh, showed me they have heart oh absolutely and, uh, the play calling was good uh the defense was good so I, I just I don't think Tennessee's got anything for us. By the way, fellas, I'm one in three in betting on the Colts this season. If that makes you feel good. Hey, there's always a time to change it, right? One Let's start three. This is a must win. I, I I cannot state that anymore. Well, wait a minute. 
We don't expect this much out of the Colts this year. It is okay to expect it, especially within this division. At home, losing seven consecutive to a team that struggled on the road so far this year. A team that's out-toughed you with Mike Vrabel over the years. A must-win. And they'll squeak by. Well, let's hope so. And there's not a better place to come than right here for Colts football come Sunday. Slippery Noodle, place to be, right? Absolutely. All right, all right. 